This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Welcome to the Elk Shape Podcast. I'm Dan Staten. This is your blue collar, do-it-yourself, self-guided, public land, elk hunting learning curve resource, where we leverage hunting to create more personal development. Our goal is to educate and encourage our listeners to become the best possible version of themselves through hard work, delayed gratification, and being accountable to themselves. Welcome to the Elk Shape Podcast, guys, with me, Dan, the fitness man. How are you? Let's go, guys. Let's get another episode under our belt. This is with Kyle Douglas. He's been on the cast before. Last time we talked to him, he just won Vegas Indoor Tournament, $50,000 richer as a young 20-something-year-old. He is uh, He's a guy that uh, he punches that trigger, and he wins big tournaments, so it's always fun to talk to him. Last time we spoke, he mentioned he was opening his own archery shop. He's since done that, so we're going to learn about Douglas Archery and just how he's getting started as a young entrepreneur as well. And he had a good elk season. We're going to talk to him about his elk season. He's also going to probably be at the Elk Shape Camp in Ogden in late April, helping out with everyone's shot execution. I'm super stoked to work. His shop's right next to the Baku Archery Center where we're doing the camp. So Kyle Douglas, if he's not at a tournament, will probably be at that camp. If not, it'll be his dad. So it's going to be cool to have work with the family there and have them help our campers out. Let's get you guys a couple discount codes. Let's roll through them pretty quick because we got to get to this podcast. I got a couple of them that uh, they're companies I work with and a couple that I just got companies to give you guys discount codes to add more value. So if you're into that, listen up. Vortex Wear, Vortex Optics makes badass workout, scouting, lifestyle gear as well. They asked me to promote that specifically and I obliged. I wear it. My wife wears it. Men's and women's very fashionable like I care about that. But no, they're, they're pretty hip and uh, aesthetically pleasing for those, but really functional, and that's what matters. I wear a lot of their shorts and shirts and tops when I'm working out. Discount code is ElkShape. Get 20% off Vortex Wear. Wilderness Athlete, the supplements that I take while hunting and in the off-season, which is way longer than hunting season, by the way, is discount code ElkShape30. Save 30% off your first purchase. Northwest Retention Systems. This is where your gun spray goes. Haha. I'd like to have a, a sidearm on my chest when I'm elk hunting and depending on the country if it's g-bear country it's a 44 mag if it's not g-bear country it's just a glock 2340 cal I use northwest retention systems they make the scout model my bino harness fits over the top and you can get an elk shape specific one and if you do pick that one on their website link in the show notes there's no shipping and handling there's no discount codes and it's a five-day lead time so check it out stowaway gourmet freeze-dried food best food out there awesome macros Discount code ELK10 will get you 10% off. Stock up now. Black Ovis is back in 2021. Yay. They sell everything and they have the best customer service ever. The discount code is 10% off for 2021. And so that'll help 
you know, you'll get free shipping on a lot of your orders as well. And they carry just about everything. They have an arrow builder, an arrow ID that you can kind of figure out which arrows you want. They carry a lot of selections out there. Use the discount code ElkShape, save 10% off. Uh, they sell trail cameras. In fact, they're going to be sending some cameras for us to do some tinkering with, including cell phone ones. So be on the lookout. We're going to do some reviews on that stuff and put that to work. I love trail cameras. Hopefully you do too. Baku e-bikes, they have a discount code ElkShape300. We'll save you $300 off your e-bike purchase in 2021. I know I'm getting a new e-bike here soon. Just gave away my e-bike in December for the December Chub Challenge. Uh, we're doing an elk shape camp at Baku. Those guys are an awesome partner. Help support them if you're going to get an e-bike and use it for elk hunting, which it's a game changer, friends. Treeline Academy, Mark Livesey, he was just on the podcast. If you want to geek out on e-scouting to a level that you've never imagined, if you don't live close to areas where you're going to go elk hunting and you have to basically put boots on the desktop, that's your best bet. Use a discount code elk shape and you'll get the course for 99 Numa Outdoors, that's the clothing that I wear for hunting, and I like the Waypoint jacket, the pants. They also, for you whitetail hunters, which I did use this year, they have a couple systems that battery-powered heating vest, I mean, and pants. If you're skinny like me and you get cold, especially that last hour of power, and you've been sitting still all day and it's time for deer to start moving, you turn your battery on, you stay warm, check it out. Numa Outdoors, discount code ELKSHAPE20, get you 20% off. Two more. Tag Hub, which I've kind of gone away from Go Hunt since everyone's using that and seeing the same information. I'm using Tag Hub right now from Eastman's. They've been in the game longer, and their expert analysis is unbelievable for each state draw system. So use the discount code ELKSHAPE15 and get 15% off Tag Hub. And last but not least, my baby, TheElkCollective.com. Dirk Durham, Jason Phelps, John Gabriel, and myself created a digital virtual online elk school so you cannot read but watch videos on how to become a better elk hunter and we cover everything we we cover how to break down an elk and we show you every stroke of the knife blade on the gutless method we show you how to scout for elk how to put your trail cameras out how to read maps how to e-scout we have a whole tutorial on that as well definitely not as we don't dive as deep as treeline academy but we give you the basics so you can do your e-scouting elk biology and then all the vocalizations obviously we have other guest hunters come on the elk collective to help us out brian barney ryan lampers chris rowe the list goes on and we're always adding content 120 something videos up there right now which will take you like for 500 hours to watch them all i don't know how many but it's a great resource for those that want to study up in the off season. So go to the elkcollective.com, use the discount code ElkShape Podcast. It's going to get you $25 off the course, and that's exclusive for you listeners. All right, guys, there's your value. Let's get into the podcast. Kyle Douglas, I'll catch you at the end of the show. A lot's happened. Since we talked, COVID kind of came out or whatever. You were talking on the podcast last time about opening your own archery shop. Uh, you were going elk hunting, I think, in like Idaho or Wyoming. I can't remember. And we got the whole season for you because you're a target archer. Fairly good at it, too, by the way. So let's catch up, man. Like, uh, let's start with the archery shop. Uh, did you get it open? Yeah, so we've been open. We just we moved in August to a, a new building. Um, so it's actually got a 60-yard indoor range. There's a it's part of like the Weber County archery range, the, the county they live in build a, an indoor range. So it's a pretty awesome place and my shop's in there now. So it's, it's grown quite a bit. How did you hook that up, man? Uh, they actually came to me. They were looking for somebody that um, could run a shop in there and they'd kind of heard about me and stuff from some people they knew. So they kind of just approached me and asked if I'd want to do it. And I was, I was all over that. Okay. So what's it like becoming a shop owner? Like, did you, I mean, you got to buy some bows to sell. You got to buy some bow presses and hire some slappies. Like talk to us, Mr. Entrepreneur. What are you like? 21? How old are you? Um, I'm 23. All right. 23. Fair enough. Yep. How, how did it go down? So, well, I mean, I already had all of the as far as like the tuning and presses and tools and all that kind of stuff, I had all that stuff just from working on all my own things. But yeah, I just, uh, just invested some money into a uh, inventory and whatnot and kind of got it rolling. You know, I, I just started small. So, you know, I think we started out with maybe 
um, just the one bow line. I was just carrying PSC, started out about 10 bows or so, and, you know, just kind of the basic sights, rest releases, stuff like that. Um, and pretty much everything I've made from the business, I've just invested back into inventory in it. So I've just kind of grown it slowly. Good. Uh, we're still, but we're just working on getting, you know, more and more and different things and more variety and stuff like that. So no doubt, man. Have you hired an employee yet? Um, I've got my dad and my uncle kind of helping me out part time type of deal. So I haven't hired another full time guy yet. Okay, that's cool. Uh, PSE. Of course, uh, ordering bows and all that stuff and investing. You're doing good for a 23-year-old, man. That's one <laughs> of the younger shop owners. What's the name of your archery shop? It's called Douglas Archery. Of course it is. I love it. <laughs> yeah, So, but it's been good. Yeah, we ha- we've got PSC, and then I just picked up Bowtech. Um, and then I've got one more bow brand that, that's in the works right now. So, Better be Matthews. <laughs> just joking you're probably gonna go with Hoyt you're in you're in Utah right yeah yep so you know eventually we'd like to have um if we could get Hoyt Matthews PSC Botech, all of those but for right now we're gonna kind of try and keep it you know to around three so we have some variety but we don't you know we don't have a ton of bow breads if I get too many in there I won't be able to stock enough bows right off the bat you know so I'd like to keep it a little bit more narrowed down, but have enough inventory where I've got something for everybody, you know, different options. So I like that. Um, when you become a new dealer, there's like not turf wars, but like there's territories and stuff. Was it tough to kind of, cause you're in Ogden, I think what was it tough to kind of get your turfs established? Did you have to like look around and see what other shops are nearby? How does that all work? Kind of, yeah, we've got a couple, you know, pretty big shops around us, oh, probably 40 minutes away or so, um, so it's always kind of tough with those, you know, because they've, they've been around for a long time, and they've got really good relationships with the different companies and stuff, so it's always kind of, and always the outcast is the newcomer and stuff, so PSZ was really easy because I shoot for them, so they were all over it when I told them I wanted to do a shop, um, and then, yeah, I called up Botech, and Botech was all over it because the other the closest dealer to me doesn't do Botex. They were wanting to get in this area. Um, but Hoyt Matthews and those guys, they're really territorial and they really like to protect their dealers. Yeah. Which is dealer for them. You don't want 10 other bow shops within five miles of you selling the stuff. You know, you kind of want to be protected that way. So. 100%. Uh, well, you do shoot for PSC. PSC's definitely announced. I want to say their lineup, but maybe not everything. What, uh, and this is the Elk Shade podcast. We talk about any brand, man. Obviously, you shoot PSC, I shoot for Matthews, but it don't matter to me. We're all bow hunters, we're all archery enthusiasts. So, what you got, what are you excited about as far as for PSC in 2021? Um, they've got a, a couple new target bows coming out that are really cool. Well, they, they already did release them a while back. Um, and I just got my hands on a few of those, so I'm setting them up and seeing kind of how they do. You know, I've, I've got the the couple that I have now are super dialed in, and it's going to be hard to tear me away from those. But we'll see what the new bows do. I'm really excited. The, the way they look, they're they're really awesome bow. They're a new shoot through. Um, and then with the hunting stuff, they've got a few new things. They came out with a, a new mid-level bow. They kind of bumped up the drive a little bit. Um, some new cams and stuff on it. Um, They've got the new uh, knock-on bow, the Embark, um, which should do pretty good. And then I'm not totally sure on the new, um, the top-end hunting bows. I'm not sure if there's going to be much for changes. If there is changes, um, I think they're just kind of, you know, if they're coming out with new stuff, I think it'll just be kind of as they get it done, they'll just release stuff. I don't know if they're going to do like a big planned-out release like normal with kind of the screwy COVID year and whatnot going on. Well, it is a screwy year. You probably would have already been booking flights for Lancaster and Vegas. And what is everything been canceled? Is any, is everything been postponed? Is anything going down? What's your target season looking like? Uh, reigning Vegas champ, Kyle Douglas. Um, as far as I know right now, I don't have any tournaments scheduled yet. Um, I don't have any flights booked or anything just because... Nobody knows, you know, Lancaster was canceled. Iowa Pro-Am was canceled. 
Vegas was canceled. Vegas are trying to do a virtual tournament for the amateurs, and then for the pros, we're supposed to have something later in the year where we're going to go down and shoot, hopefully. Um, so hopefully we can start up like when 3D season starts, when the ASA, if they start up. Um, I know one of those was already canceled and moved back to August, I believe. Um, so we'll see what the rest of it looks like. But right now I'm kind of not not booking anything yet just because nobody knows what's happening. Yeah, man. Yeah. And we were talking about that last week, I think. So, guys listening, we're doing an elk-shaped camp in Ogden, and we'll be right next to Kyle's shop. And if uh, we're not sure if you're going to be able to be there in person if you are we're going to totally lean on your expertise but we'll be using your shop and getting upgrades from your shop and um we're super stoked to come down that's going to be in april and mm-hmm. uh you we don't even know your schedule yet like we don't know if you're going to be at a shoot or not what was what was the potential shoot that you would be at yeah so there's a an asa 3d tournament scheduled that weekend um so if that goes, I'll have to go to that one. You know, with the limited amount of tournaments this year, I'm going to hit everything I possibly can. But um, we'll see what happens there. You know, there's a, a pretty good chance they'll end up canceling that. Um, and if they do, I'm I'm going to be at the elk shape camp there. So we'll be, you know, helping people set up their bows, tune them, whatever we need. If, even if I'm not there, I will have um, people there at the shop helping out, running out, have the, the shop up and going. So Yeah, I'm excited to see your shop, man, and to get to Utah. Speaking of you, Todd, did you get out uh, at all on the Wasatch Front for muleys? Yeah, I actually killed a really nice buck on the the extended hunt on the front this year. Oh, yeah? So, yeah, I think second week in November or so. Um, yeah, he was a, he's a stud. He ended up going like 193, I think. Dude, how, did, how do you kill – how do you even kill a, a buck on the front with all the other bow hunters and all the pressure – that's super intimidating to me if i lived in salt lake i just feel like it's super competitive and i don't even know if there's any honey holes left like people get after it over there like what was your secret sauce on that not to i know we didn't plan on talking about muleys but uh i just pulled up the picture and that is an absolute giant tell us the story man um yeah the front's getting insane it gets worse and worse every year and there's so many guys you know trying to kill bucks on it because it's I don't know if it's really famous, but around here it's popular because everybody can hunt it. You know, anybody with a, an archery deer tag that hasn't filled it can go hunt it. Um, and guys are getting more and more into it. You know, there's so many people that they don't care how far in they have to go to try and get away from people. They'll do it. So, you know, in the front, you can't get super far away anyways. I mean, the farthest spot I think I can even think of is maybe five to seven miles in. Um and, you know, like as the crow flies, you can't even get that far away from roads and stuff. So pretty much any spot you go on the front, there's there's other people that hunt it. You can't really get away from. So you just, you have to hunt the nasty stuff that nobody wants to go into and nobody thinks to hunt. Or else you have to hunt like little pockets that people wouldn't think of. Um, so the that buck, I killed him in a spot that... Um, you know, it, it actually gets hunted fairly hard, um, but nobody really thinks to hunt right where that buck is. It's kind of just in an oddball little spot. And I'd seen a, a really nice buck there last January or February in the winter. Um, you know, and I was just up there and uh, hadn't, I, I'd been chasing another buck and I didn't see him that morning. So I decided to head over there and, and glass out that little spot and happened to spot that buck in there and just kind of was lucky that he had moved in and nobody had got on him and killed him yet before i got to him so man so you see this buck did you make did you get him killed the day you saw him or did you have to figure him out no i killed him the day i seen him i wasn't screwing around on that thing because somebody else was going to kill him if i didn't but it was a an all-day deal i mean i think i spotted him at like nine or nine thirty that morning and ended up shooting him oh hour before dark or so so was he with does i assume yeah he had a couple does with him um there's a couple other bucks he was running around too um but yeah i spotted him from i don't know probably a mile or mile and a half away and worked my over there then kind of got stuck i was 
there was a big opening I had to cross and he's about 250 yards or so from me and I couldn't get across it with cover there's no cover and I kind of just had to wait him out wait for him to bed down in a spot that he couldn't see me and finally he bedded down I made it across there and set up on him and then got to about 60 yards from where he was bed and he was in a little clump of oak brush so I couldn't see him in there um so I just you know got set up and waited him out I sat on him for about three hours um and then next thing I know I hear a, a doe start blowing at me like 10 yards up the hill from me she just completely busted me um so I'm just thinking you know crap this she totally ruined this whole thing and I've been sitting here for three hours on this buck freezing my butt off and she blows right down into the middle of them and you know scattered him and his does and he comes out of there you know just full blast and kind of runs across on the other side of the draw from me and stopped and luckily I'd ranged a bunch of stuff around there so I just kind of guessed off what I had ranged and pinwheeled him ran like 60 yards and tipped over dead so so what'd you guess him for 60 and are you a single pin guy or multiple um I usually run a five pin for hunting five pin slider so that fifth you didn't have to even slide nope nope that's exactly why I run a five pin it's just you know if they're less than 60 I can just range it too black gold spot hog what do you use uh, uh excel is what I run course you do you target archer oh god that's cool i haven't messed with the any of those brand other brands but i've heard really good things i'm excited for your your target season i hope you get to do it uh i just hope that that asa gets uh rescheduled so i can have you at elk shape camp i'm not even ashamed to tell you that but asa's ibo's mark distances unknown distances talk to me man like how does that all work, especially for ASA? It's a different scoring system than IBO. I like the IBO scoring system for myself when I'm practicing, but I don't mm -hmm. compete at that stuff. And I imagine the ASA is uh, a little more cut and dry. So wh what does that look like for you? Like, how do you prepare for each? Yeah, so I usually, um, I shoot marked yardage. I don't, to shoot unmarked, you pretty much have to have a full range of targets at your house. Every target you're going to shoot, you pretty much have to have that there so that you can practice judging on it um, if you're going to compete at the top level. Um, you know, amateurs and stuff, they can maybe get away with it without it. But the top level pros, everybody has a range at home, and they judge them by the size of the target. They don't judge off the ground normally. Right. Um, so I just I don't have that that kind of stuff. Uh, so I just shoot known yardage and the known yardage class is bigger. Um, I wouldn't say harder to win. There's more, more really, really, really good shooters in the known yardage class than in the unknown. Um, just because it's more of a level playing field, you know, the guys that haven't grown up judging 3d targets and stuff, they can go and play and have the same chance as anybody else, you know, so. That's kind of what I run, but yeah, the scoring and stuff on IBO and ASA is different. IBO is all unmarked, um, so I haven't shot any of those, but ASA, you've got the upper and lower 12 rings, and that adds a whole different ball game. You know, IBO is just aiming the center. If you miss, you score a 10, oh well. Um, where with ASAs, you know, in the known yardage class, you have to gun at every single 12. You can't lay up on any of them. So, I mean, you're aiming down there in the corner of the 10 ring, and if you miss low, you're an eight instantly. I mean, you miss by a 16th of an inch or an eight where you know you hit it you're 12 and stuff so it's a totally different ball game as far as course management and stuff and you know kind of picking and choosing and stuff like that that sounds so high stakes uh oh man that's got to be stressful and then are the asas typically a two-day shoot or how does that work yeah so normally they're a two-day shoot um you shoot a score friday shoot a score saturday and then saturday night the top five um will go into a a shoot down so there's a five target shoot down and then if there's anybody within 10 points of the leader after the five targets you move on to a six target so usually a known pro everybody's within 10 points for the most part um so it's a it's a pretty much a slug fest is what it is in the known pro because there's 20 different guys out there that could win on any given weekend. So. Yeah, no doubt. And then 
they basically, you can leapfrog if somebody in the shoot off just totally butchers a shot. Um, 14s come into play in the shoot off. Okay. The back corner of the vitals. So mm-hmm. you or you're going to be an eight or a five if you miss. So it's a really high risk shot, but you can make up a lot of ground that way if you need it. So what's your mindset? When do you start chasing 14s? Like typically when you're down 10 plus or um, if you're like going for podium or bust, like how does that, when, for you personally, when do you start going for 14s? Just kind of depends on where I'm sitting and what the scores look like and stuff. You know, of course, if I'm way behind, I'm going to be gunning for 14. But um, if not, normally I kind of, I'll look at the targets ahead of time and kind of try and have a little bit of a game plan going into it. And normally if they're like, I don't know, 30 yards and less, it's pretty much a no-brainer. You need to shoot the 14 in the known pro because just about everybody's going to try and shoot it. Um, I'll pass that. You know, it just depends on what you need and how risky you want to get. Um, so sometimes, you know, you can pull off a 14 that that's kind of unexpected and you can jump places in a hurry. Um, but you can also, you know, go way down the ladder in a hurry too. So I just kind of play it by ear and see how the shootoff's going and who's hitting what and kind of where the scores are at. I, I tend to be fairly aggressive. Um, you know, ASA, a lot of, a lot of times you pretty much are either shooting to win or else you're shooting just to, to try and secure a podium spot. Um, and I'm always trying to win, you know, a lot of times there's been times where I could have stayed safe and, you know, had a third place check or something, but I'll shoot for the 14 to try and win, you know, just because that's how I am. That's good. I like that, man. Uh, do you, does podium spots first, second, third, all pay, and then that's it? Yeah, um, I think it pays a little farther down than that, but as far as contingency checks and stuff like that, yeah, podium spots. So what's better, indoor or outdoor? I like it all. I shoot everything. Um, indoors, indoors fun and it's cool. There's a lot more... I don't want to say more pressure, but the pressure indoors is totally different than it is outdoors because indoors you can't miss. If you miss, you're done. Where outdoors, it's more of a pressure to like hit a shot and try and you know run away from the pack a little bit. Um, so it's totally different. Indoors is is fun, and then usually by the time we're getting done with indoors, I'm pretty sick and tired of that and ready to do outdoors. Then by the time outdoors is wrapping up, I'm ready to go hunting, and then by the end of hunting season. You know, they have to force me to go back and shoot indoors because I want to still go hunting. So, what is your current release that you're using for this next season? Um, I'm running a true ball goat, is what I run as a yeah. thumb trigger. Okay. And you're still shooting, you're still telling that thing to when, when to go off, right? Oh, yeah. Yep. Still punching it. You said punch. I didn't want to say that out loud, but yeah, man. Uh, that's cool. I like that. I think a lot of hunting situations involve a degree of punch, even if you practice all year long, like I do and try to create some sort of, you know, get your, get your conscience out of the shot. A lot of the hunting situations involve kind of a conscious shot, whether people want to admit it or not. And, uh, that's why I like talking about this stuff with you, man. And, and, uh, you shot, uh, you did a shoot by my house, uh, relatively speaking. You did uh, this shoot at Silver Mountain. I don't know the name of it, but you came over to Kellogg, Idaho. Yeah, yeah, we went up there for that one. I love that shoot up there. That's one of my favorites, actually. There's just a lot of good guys up there, and it's always a really fun shoot. Did you win that one? I think so. I can't remember for sure this year. I think I did win it, though. That's when you know you win a lot when you can't remember if you won something or not and uh, it gets blurry. Uh, that's a good sign, Kyle. Uh, yeah, that shoot is I've never done it. I've uh, I don't know where I was not in town that week. It's never worked out to where I could do that. I'm hoping maybe I can do that shoot this year. Uh, my buddy Matt Allwine usually does it. Uh, he's pretty good at archery. Did you meet him or do you know Matt? Yeah, I know Matt. Yeah, he's a pretty good shot. He's getting a lot into the rifles and stuff, but if we get him to drag his bow out of the closet, he usually does pretty good. Yeah, he's super uh, – he's annoyingly talented when it comes to shooting anything weapons-wise. And I tell him that. I'm like, man, you have a gift, and it's annoying to me. But he's a very talented shooter um, for sure. 
I think that, uh, do you ever have the desire to cross over into shooting rifles and to compete there? Um, yeah, I was over there, I actually built a gun this year, just a hunting gun. Um, and was talking to a few of the guys, um, that built the gun and stuff. And they're the one, um, name's Morgan King. He's a, a really top level PRS shooter and stuff. And they were trying to talk me into coming to a match with them and stuff. And it, it sounds like a blast, but I was, I don't know if I'd ever have the time to go to all those events and all the archery events and the archery shop and anything, but it, it'd be definitely cool. I'd like to try it. Yeah. I, it's probably worth giving a shot, man, honestly, just to see, at least do one and see, like, if you enjoyed it, how you mm-hmm. fared, um, and if you can balance it all out. Uh, let's talk hunting before uh, we get out of here. Um, I basically got kyle on today guys because i wanted to plug that he's going to be potentially at the elk shape camp in ogden and that he has his new shop douglas archery uh that he killed a giant wasatch buck on public land and then i want to talk elk hunting because you've got a lot of reps elk hunting tell us about your 2020 elk season the good the bad the ugly yeah it was it was tough we went um i hunted a little bit in utah this year not much at all and then i had an idaho tag this year so i ran up there and and then honestly i got my butt whooped pretty bad um we spent i think we went up for one weekend and then came back and stayed a full week and i was on bulls every day you know i was and good bulls too i was chasing 300 to 330 bulls just about every day um i just never could get it done everything was super herded up and different when i what i'm used to hunting um normally i'm i'm hunting a little bit more timbered stuff um, kind of running ridges, bugling until I get one to respond and then trying to call them in is kind of how I like to hunt. But up there, it's so open and the elk travel so much. Um, you really can't, do, you almost have to pretty much glass them and, and watch where they're going and try and get ahead of them. And they're so herded up, I, it was like impossible to get a shot. You know, I got drawn back several times and, you know, most herds had anywhere from 10 to 50 cows in it. So trying to pick the bull out of there was almost impossible. So we kind of, felt a little defeated there was uh me my little brother and my dad and all of us went home empty after a week so that was a little rough you know normally normally in a week we can kill two or three elk was that a new to you unit or had you you know had you been there before um i'd been there not with an elk tag i'd hunted deer in there for a weekend oh a year or two ago um and couldn't find any deer. All I could find was elk everywhere I went. So I decided to come back with an elk tag. So, but it was a new unit for elk for sure. Honestly, those big unit or those big herds are really hard to hunt. Obviously, let's go like retrospective hindsight. Looking back, could you or would you have done anything different when you are hunting elk that are grouped up that in those bigger numbers? Yeah, I, if I was going back again, I'd kind of totally change my game plan. You know, the first few days I was trying to bend them down in the timber and then sneak in there when the thermals were good and trying to call them in. And there was no way that was going to happen. They just weren't responding to calls or anything. So if I was going back, I would do it. I'd leave the calls at home and go back and try and find them in more open country and try and where I can actually watch them bed down and then try and get close enough to the herd and hopefully the bull would get up and kind of make his rounds and check cows and stuff and give himself up for a shot it was kind of the game plan towards the end of the hunt. That, yeah. I like that style of almost fringe hunting where you you're in tight, but you're not like uh, you're almost like hoping they'll make the mistake. It's kind of like a checkers, maybe it's chess, but you you're in close, but uh, you're not going to like try to make it happen while they're in their bed. You're just going to be close enough to where you got that bull is going to get up and scent check or that bull is going to get up and rake or get water and he's going to make the rounds and I'm going to be in a position or I'm not. And I'll back out and try it again, you know, the next day. And that's hard, hard to do, man. It's tough. And you know, that's not how, you know, I've ever hunted elk. I've always liked to call elk, you know, that's why I hunt them mostly is just because they get, so amped up and get them all fired up and coming in just ready to tear you apart you know and then shooting them and it that's what gets me going but um yeah spot and stock hunting elk like that it it's tricky and it's a totally different ball game but the last day i was there we uh we kind of moved spots a little bit and found some herds that were you know there was no trees on the entire mountain that the elk were on 
Um, and it was totally different. And that kind of got the ball rolling, you know, like thinking how we can actually kill these things. And they're kind of bedding in some rockier stuff. And it's definitely more more killable over there. But it's just kind of a patience game and just playing your cards right, you know, getting in close and letting them slip up rather than you screwing up. Admittedly, I'm more and more of a shut up and elk hunt kind of guy, put the calls away. I know I really tried to like fabricate elk hunting call-ins last year, or I guess this 2020 season, I had a cameraman and I just thought it would be better footage. And I just didn't really know how I could sneak in with a camera guy, to be honest with you. And we, we made the video series on YouTube and I've watched it and I'm just like, I never call that. I called so much more than I usually do. And looking back, I think that's why it took me so long to get bulls killed this year was mm. I was playing a game I'm not very good at. And if you if you know your strengths as a hunter, I think it's really important to employ those and know your style. It's it's still important to be able to like be a chameleon and change tactics for sure. But when I look back at how many elk I've killed, I'd say 90% of them have been no vocalizations. And the and the 10% that have have all been like, you know, in thick, thick timber, calling in bulls and calling them in solo. And so mm. I think that's really important. Do you think elk calling will always be everybody's go-to method? Or do you think at some point people are going to appreciate that maybe these elk are getting educated to these, uh, I wouldn't say artificial sounds. I would just say uh, they're not they're not certain sounds like they don't, you know, a lot of elk know each other's voices and then they hear this foreign voice that they'd have never bachelored with. They've never summered with, they've never hung out with or wintered with. They're a little more call shy. What's your thoughts on that? Oh, it's tough. You always see, you know, the new guys that are just running out there and bugling their guts out everywhere and in the open and stuff. And I think you're always going to have some of both, but it seems to me like it's, it's like the more pressure the elk are getting nowadays, it, it, it's almost like the calls aren't working as good just because they're getting educated and there's so many guys doing it. Where if you're just kind of silent, sometimes you can slip in there and you know they have no clue you're there. So I, I think there always is going to be some of both. And it's just such a rush, you know, just an adrenaline rush calling in a bull when they get all fired up and bugling them in that everybody's going to want to try it. But I think it will start to get a little bit less effective just with, how much more pressure the elk are getting lately yeah you live in a state that i've actually never elk hunted in and i really want to just because i want to be able to say i've killed an elk in every state out west or whatever or at least have experience doing it so i can relate to people when they tell me but elk hunting over the counter in utah is kind of it gets overlooked like they're like, I think I have a couple spots picked up that I, I think I could do all right in. Um, mm -hmm. But the seasons have never been super sexy to me as far as your archery dates go. Did that change for 2021 or are they still your typical opening day? Um, I know they were they were trying to get it passed where they would extend the season by five or seven or nine days or something. I can't remember if it went through all the way or not. Um, They're trying to get a little bit more of a an archery rut hunt going um but you've got guys here that do both um actually my father-in-law is one of the best elk hunters i know and usually he kills most of his elk in utah on opening day like the earlier in august it is the better he does because he's hunting them kind of where they summer mm -hmm. um so he's he's doing it totally different than most guys and that's just kind of how he's adapted to the utah season but and I kind of do a little bit of both, you know, sometimes I'll try and hunt a little bit early, but most of the time I've got a deer picked out and I want to try and hunt for the first week or two and then switch over to elk in September. But the Utah elk hunt is, dude, it's tough. We're pretty much, I mean, if you can't draw a tag in Utah, you're, you're trying to kill raghorns. I mean, trying to shoot a six point every year on a general tag is almost impossible. And so I don't hunt your state because I can't draw a tag. And I don't, I have kind of better over the counter options. And that's mm -hmm. truly why I haven't been there. And I'm sitting on a fair amount of points in Utah, but 
to be honest, I still don't have enough to draw what I want. Um, yep. And I, so I guess the day I do hunt Utah, Lord willing, it's going to be a good tag. And so I'm just kind of holding out. Dude, if you can draw some tags in Utah, it is insane. The kind of hunts that, that they have. Um, you know, I've got some buddies and stuff that have, that have hunted the San Juan and a couple other really good units in it. It's just insane the amount of elk and how many good bulls and stuff there is. But the the general bull hunt just on public land, it is so crowded. I mean, you can go as far in as you want, and you're still not going to be away from people unless you have some little honey hole that nobody knows about. But I'm pretty convinced there's not a lot of secrets left, honestly, as far as honey holes go. Um, and it, it's... It's a matter of time before someone else stumbles upon your honey hole. I've had it happen to me. I've done it to people. You just, you wander and you do your Google earth and you do your due diligence. Jeez, you're going to figure out spots, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that's happened to me. You know, I've, I've got a couple of spots that they don't always hold elk, but if there's elk in there, usually people don't know they're there. And well, lately it seems like if there's a bull in there, everybody knows that he's there. It just, it gets... <laughs> So then now that you got your archer shop, are you married now? Yeah, we got married uh, the 1st of October. Congratulations, man. So uh, you're going to hold off on kids for a while, or are you guys just going to hammer down? <laughs> no, no, I need at least a couple years. Yeah, I didn't have my first kiddo till I was in my 30s, and I like that program, bro, because... Uh, my wife and I used to date. It was really cool. We didn't have like kids and we could just do whatever. Now it's a lot of planning just to go on like a little simple date. Um, you, I wouldn't trade them for the world, but I just, you're in a good spot to really just have some best years with your wife. And that's cool. Obviously she probably shoots and hunts as well. Um, a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I can get her to shoot every now and then. And we took her up. She shot a a decent buck on the rifle hunt here we took her up for a day and let her shoot a deer that was the first buck she'd killed um you know she's really outdoorsy and stuff but hunting just i don't know doesn't really push her buttons like it does mine she'll go do it but it she doesn't get amped up about it yeah yeah no my wife's same way she'll do it she'll yeah. shoot a bow she'll shoot deer with, but she's not <laughs> like like i have to bring it up hey do you want me to set a stand for you yeah, yeah. sure and if she sits it, I learned to just, yeah, not press it. Let her press if she really wants to go. Yeah, yeah. But fishing, that's a whole nother story, man. If I go oh, fishing, really? deep trouble. So <laughs> she's into it, huh? That's cool. How'd you guys meet? Uh, her dad actually set us up. I've He's kind of been a family friend for a long time, and I've done his bow work for him for, I don't know, since I was probably 15 or 16 or so, and he just kind of set us up one day, so. Have you got your hands on any of the new Hamski products for 2021? Yeah. Um, I just got some of the primer rests in my shop, the new and some of that stuff. I can't remember all what else they came out this year. I know they had the, the little limb cord attachment for a Matthews and what else there was. I think they did an upgrade to their third axis adjustment or leveling oh. device. Yeah. I have one of those too. That's pretty cool. It, clamps onto a lot more spots where both sides are flat yeah knobby um threaded rod on the one side it's pretty slick i'm gonna throw that primer on my wife's bow build she ordered a matthews prima and i'm gonna do a bow build on youtube for her and pick that out for her i like that it's pretty streamlined like less weight lighter um you don't have micro adjust with it i guess but uh it's still hamsky quality and i think that's good for hamsky to have like a a different price point, you know, so I'm not yeah. sure how much Trinities are, but I know they're up there and this, the pri the primer is definitely going to be a little bit more affordable, but still Hamsky engineering quality and robust. They flew there this summer and when they were designing that, um, and I kind of got to see it in the prototype stages and stuff. And yeah, talking to those guys, they were just trying to make a more of a budget friendly rest but they were not willing to compromise at all on any of the durability or any of the functionality of the rest they were just kind of trying to streamline things and stuff so yeah i think i think that's i think it's going to be a huge win for those guys and and we work with hamski a little bit too at, at elk shape we like we try to give a you know give out some hamski rest at every camp 
and um, I sure recommend them quite a bit because I feel like they are, I don't know, I just, I'm hard on things and I need the most bulletproof rest out there and just, I literally have never had an issue with a hamski rest ever. So, and that says a lot to me. Um, well, you're shooting pretty good, but you're just waiting to compete. When's your first scheduled competition? Um, well, I don't even know if they have it. It will be that ASA in April. That that's the only one I know of that even has a date on it. Right. Um, I think that's because they set the dates last year. Um, but as far as like NFAA stuff, I don't think they have anything they'll even schedule. We did shoot um, a virtual World Cup the other day, mm-hmm. um, which you know, it's it's a tournament, but doesn't really count as a normal tournament because it was a world deal. Um, and I shot good there. I shot a 599, um, which is decent. Pretty, <laughs> pretty amazing. So and that's that's on the small ten ring, you know, the X size ten ring with the a 23 size shaft is as big as you can go. So a lot harder than shooting a 300 on a Vegas face. Dang son. So you're, I guess, I guess we'll finish the podcast with like, Kyle, who is your coach? Do you have one? Um, no, not really. I mean, never, I've had a few guys over the years, you know, one guy when I was kind of starting out, um, just a local guy, Lance Gibson, that kind of helped me out when I was first getting into things and then really never had a coach after that. You know, I just kind of, learned on my own and you know being around the guys that i'm around all the time shooting and stuff you just pick up little things here and there and you go test them and see if you like it or if you don't like it and figure out your own style but yeah i've never really had a a coach per se what is on the schedule for you when it comes like when it comes to training i'm not going to call it practice because you're a professional archer i'm going to call it training like do you have a certain number of arrows that need to be shot a day do you have do you blank bell? Do you, like how do you duplicate high pressure scenarios? Get comfortable with being uncomfortable, dude. I know you don't want to give away all your secrets, but like, give us a little snapshot into like the day in the life and training as a pro archer. It really just depends on what I'm gearing up for and what style of tournament I'm getting ready for. Um, you know, like an indoor tournament or like a feed a tournament or something like that. I'm going to be shooting a bunch and getting, you know, really conditioned to a bunch of, a bunch of arrows, hot weather, stuff like that. Um, and I'll usually pick things to work on. You know, if I'm shooting really, really good, I don't try and overdo it. Um, I just kind of try and maintain it at that level. If I'm, if I feel like I'm shooting really, really well and just make slight tweaks on things. Um, whereas if I, I feel like I'm struggling with something, I really need to work on it. Um, you know, I may be shooting all day long. Who knows? It just kind of depends on what style of event I'm getting ready for and things like that. And like an ASA style tournament is totally different where you, you know, you're shooting 20 arrows for an event. So you don't have to, you know, your conditioning doesn't, it's not as important because it's one arrow at a time and there's a bunch of time in between arrows that I'm more worried about like mental focus and making sure that i'm putting everything i possibly can into that one arrow rather than you know making a 99 percent shot you've got to give it 110 percent effort we're like indoors and target stuff you kind of just want to get on cruise control and just kind of get in a rhythm and start shooting so it it totally changes day to day and how i'm shooting what what i got going on and, and stuff so i you know i really should have like a dedicated set schedule with this many arrows and do this this and this but i just kind of fly by the seat of my pants and work on what i need to work on no i think that's just part of being in your craft and understanding strength weaknesses and the cool Mm -hmm. thing is you do all these different style of shoots and so it keeps things fresh and then you know there's always the next thing to be prepared for and i like that and you're a hunter like you're truly a bow hunter so you you got that to fall back on, and yeah, your world revolves around archery. I appreciate you coming on today. Tell everybody all the things, like your Facebook page, your Instagram, your shop name, website, um, how people can reach out if they have questions, how they can support you and cheer you on. So brag a little, please. <laughs> Not a bragger. Um, you know, I, I'm terrible at social media, but yeah, I've got a Instagram. Um, is kyle.douglas1. Um, so it'll be, you know, all my archery stuff, hunting stuff, pretty much whatever. Um, and then the shop has, I just started an Instagram page for it as well. 
Um, it'll be at Douglas Archery. And then, yeah, Facebook, we've got Douglas Archery. Um, and then I've got uh, an athlete page for me, Kyle Douglas Professional Archer, um, as well as a personal page. And then, you know, yeah, like the shop, like I said, is Douglas Archery. We've got a website, douglasarchery.com. Um, I just kind of barely launched that and got it up and rolling. We're a little behind on all the social media, internet stuff, but I like to get people's bows tuned and the arrows fletched before I start working on advertising stuff, make sure everybody's taken care of. Oh, no. Well, I'm looking forward. I hope you're there when we do that camp in April. Uh, selfishly, I just want to hang out with you and uh, get all the campers exposed to some of your best practices and get them exposed to your shop. That's a sweet range right there, that Weber County, back through center, your shop, Douglas Archery. It's going to be cool in Utah, super close. I can't wait. It'll be my last camp of the year. And then I'll probably be super ready to go bear hunting in the spring after that. Um, so I'm excited to do that. Keep up the go work, man. I'll be cheering for you. Just know that I'm always in your corner. I don't know a lot of target archers, but the ones that I do know, like yourself, they're always humble and they're always working hard. And for that, I appreciate it. That's why I wanted to have you on. So thanks for your time, guys. Give Kyle a follow. He's a young gun. He's 23. He's going to be around for a while. Support him where you can. And remember, separation is in the preparation. We'll catch you on the next one. All right, we're back. Great little podcast with Kyle. He's such a cool, just down-to-earth guy. Thank you, Kyle, for coming on. Thank you guys for listening. I want to tease out the next couple of guests coming up the pipeline. We're bringing Paul Mandel back on the Elk Nut. We're going to talk elk hunting in his 2020 season and things that he learned as well as tactics that he still employs and how he's changing tactics. It's going to be a good one. We're bringing on Nick the Trainer Dude, and he's had a hell of a 2020. His house burned down. COVID shut his gym down and how he is no stranger to overcoming adversity, a very inspirational podcast. We're bringing on my buddy, Matt Bateman from Green River Broadheads. Him and I are going to have a friendly debate on mechanicals versus fixed for elk. You're not going to want to miss that one. It's actually turned out to be a very educational podcast. You're going to dig that. So I appreciate you guys listening to the podcast. We'll catch you on the next one. Make sure you give us a review or subscribe or whatever that is that you need to do so you don't miss an episode. Appreciate you. And remember, separation is in the preparation.